January 24th, 2010. It's Watt from Pedro Show. Finding, on the verge of finding, 
scares the shit out of me. Scares the fuck out of me. Scares the shit out of me. Scares the fuck out of me. On the verge of farting. Fetchers will smoke. Where did it get you now? Where did it get your cute little ass now? Scared and tetra. Once you found the pointlessness of words, once you use the coin, where the fuck do we go from here? Who's gonna touch who? Who's gonna touch what? On the verge of finding. On the verge of finding. You wanna find? Then find. Find. But keep it away from me. Or is he smoothing out our reviews? Sounds invade ears one from the other Finding hollow tunnels Intercepting one another Pointless eerie mazes Leading to its start And that could be any place The start and the end It's only where you pause Don't pause, brother Don't pause, sister Cause then you might have to think God, why would we ever want to do that? Don't you know where it's gonna get us? And if we don't know, so what?
Quad from Pedro's show. Let's mute that there. Hey, brother man, how hey, you doing? Good, good. Sunday I'm here driving. in Pedro. Um, played last night in Long Beach, 11.4 miles to Piazzas. Second man after uh, recording with Pete and Jer at Pete's pad for his wife, Lil Lil's, making a Croatia record. Oh, cool. Yeah, an album for there. So they had me do a song. <coughs> It was like one they already had, and they had, they had me redo. I don't know. They had kind of a Rick Argent, what was it? That guy in the Zombies. You remember? Organ player? Yeah. And they had that song, uh, what was his big hit? Hold Your Head Up? And it had a bass line like that. And I said, no, let's make it more like... Uh, what was that band from D.C. in the 70s? Shaka Van Barham? They had a weird name. It one-hit wonder disco band. So I used a bass line like that. Can I have it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. we got some guests, Brother Matt. Yeah, yeah, welcome. Uh, hey, is this on here? Joe Bison. Yeah, you can just How are you, Mike? There. How are you guys doing? If you put it over there, then Don can talk. Oh, all right. <laughs> You're the guest today. Yeah. No, no, hey, how you doing? Well, look, it's, it'll work for both of you, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> one don't have to <laughs> whoop on the other Bogart. one. Bogart. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> one don't have to Bogart. <laughs> it's a sensitive thing. In fact, if you listen to last week's show with Jack, you can see how sensitive it is because... Right, every beer bottle. And, <laughs> you know about this, right? If you wrap things on the brother Matt tried to s- I like desensitize it with the doily there. Cush factor. If you, it's a very you comfortable do, studio. You, you do a little. It ain't a studio. This is the love grotto. Oh, okay, it's love the grotto. Okay. Right there on the roof, see, yeah. or the overhead. I'm the pleasure point. Here in San Pedro. So uh, yeah, but if you listen to last week's show, Jack, you know. You wouldn't even know that doily existed because he crunched up, <laughs> mashed up so much noise, and then started wailing on the guitar. Really, yeah, loud. I heard a bit of that. He would talk. Did you hear that? Yeah, he would talk a little tiny and then just wail on the guitar. <laughs> so we kind of muffed up some <laughs> distortion. I tried to get a happy medium. Uh, I should say what we played. We start off the show with John Coltrane doing what's new. And then on the verge of finding live something from Sacred Trust, World Broken. You remember that record, Joe? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, we've got Joe Biza and then to his starboard was Don Dalton, who's come home yeah, from yeah. Salt Lake City for a little visit. And uh, was at the show last night. Yeah, you were in Long Beach. Yeah, uh, Long Beach. But I think, Joe, we recorded that in 1985 in Santa Monica. It's yeah, the only the time caves. I ever wore a uh, tuxedo. That, that was, yeah, really. Uh, whose good. idea was that? I think it was Joe Carducci's. Okay. There was a lot of detail It's hard to tell by listening. Detail behind that album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess there were supposed to be pictures to go with it. Well, originally, uh, it's right? funny because. Or pictures? video or something. There, there was reason for wearing the tuxedo. I think that was just Jack's idea. He wanted to, Oh, it was Jack's yeah. idea. Yeah, he wanted to put a little uh, kind of. Theatrics and it's hard to hear the tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't hear that. You just, well, maybe you do. If, you know, it's in the notes. Affected there, the yeah. plane. Yeah, yeah, I never. Yeah. What was that belt thing? 
cummerbund. Yeah, yeah, the cummerbund. Yeah. That was kind of bearing up on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was in between the bass. I wasn't belling as much was then, but better than belling. It was like belling. Pseudo bell. It was a strap on bell. <laughs> strap on bell. It's... Uh, but. Uh, it wasn't really in the plan for me to do that because they had a great bass player who, right at the last minute, wouldn't do it, right? Yeah, Bob Fitzer, who Bob just Fitzer. drove by a moment ago. Excellent bass player. <laughs> and for some reason, he got because it had to be improvised. It was all improvised, yeah. and Bob is um, a really good bass player. But yeah. And we'd practice it. We did it a few times in the studio. He's pretty good at it. But yeah. When it came time to do it, he realized he didn't want to do that, and it was going to be his first record, and I think he wanted something more solid or something. He just I got to be out. in the studio with him again when you did the We Became Snakes. He played really good on that record. Yeah, right. But I remember calling uh, Carducci at yeah. SST and saying... it was within days, right? I said, we're not going to do it, because Bob just decided not to. And Joe was saying, well, just the three of you do it. Do it without a bass player. I said, no, no. And all of a sudden, Mike picks up the extension phone. I'll do it. That's right. I was that's in right. He, I he was, was working at SST, at SST then. Yeah, that's right. I said, what? And then that's what we did. You know, <laughs> we just jumped right in and said, I'll do it. And we did it. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Am I too loud? There was a, no, no, no. There was a thing in there. It wasn't exactly captured because after the recording, then Joe went to town editing on it. And actually crafted a good thing out of the whole gig. Because you can imagine there were some lulls in the creative process. <laughs> so I'm just yeah, trying to get hooked on to something. So when Joe went there and mixed it and edited it, he actually turned it into a pretty coherent piece of work. It's one of the best records I've been on. And uh, yeah, it was... Okay, I foisted a little bit, but not really because I didn't know that situation. Actually, I didn't even know about the recording that well. Carducci was talking about something like that, them doing, all of a sudden it was on. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. So it was like, fuck, I'll do it. Yeah, you kind of saved the day on that one. I, don't, I wouldn't have done it without a bass. Yeah, I, I, I go back to, to the first. In fact, uh, we're going to play something here. I got, uh, Jack Brewer gave me some obstacles. Oh, really? Yeah. A song called uh, Help Us? Helpless. Help Us. Well, that's what Jack called oh, it. Huh. It's helpless. <laughs> I, that's how I remember it. Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know where this was recorded? Because I actually, before we even played with George Hurley, or we were just starting to, they came over to his shed uh, with Dezo. Because I guess Dezo was a member. Well, that's know, a, I should go all the way back. Yeah, that's 1979. That's yeah, how I, yeah. Actually, that's how I met Jack. And the first time I was invited to the any kind of musical situation with Jack Brewer is he wanted me to record his band, The Obstacles, because he had a tape recorder. So I used to work with him, so I went there and just operated the machine. But that was and, weird, because it was at George Hurley's place. Oh, no, no, this is at his studio. First. Oh, no, but when I uh-huh. saw you guys in Dezo, I don't know how you guys were there, but you were there jamming in the garage in George's shed. Oh, you remember this? And I tried out on bass, didn't make it. Oh, it's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But look, we, we should go remember further. That remember that? It was yeah, Dezo. It was sort of a, yeah. You, uh, and, was you and Jack, and there was, I don't even think a drummer yet. No. Because you, you ended up getting a Pedro guy, Rick Wilder. And. Before and, uh, Bobby. 
Oh yeah, remember and, that? Um, that. Also, the, the bass, bass player. player ended up being Pedro Guy Louis. Both of them, Louis. I just seen Lewis, him last week. Mad Max. He went through a couple right. names. Louis and Richie. That's right. That right. was the first they were rhythm kind of section. A duo there. But I think by that time you weren't obstacles. You had changed. Yeah, we were trying to start something. Yeah, new but while we go back to the beginning about you, you and uh, music, because it's an interesting story. Uh, you start. Most dudes start as teenagers playing, but not you. Yeah, I started getting serious about music when I was 27 years old. And I'd played guitar before that a bit. Like with the front neighborhood friends, you know, we'd jam on T-Rex songs or something like that. And then I, after a year, I stopped. I know? actually saw you at Peck Park helping out a band. Oh, really? On those stairs at the Peck Center. What and year was that? It was that? a Wemos band, early 70s. This That's was before I, punk. I was a roadie for a, a Chicano rock band. Yeah, yeah, they were Latin. That's yeah, kind you of see me doing that. Typo. <laughs> they were weird, rocking, man. but they had a Latin kind of trip, yeah. and Joe was helping out. He had long hair at the time. But I remember later on matching the faces, because I was maybe 14 years old. I was really young, but I would check out uh, bands that would play like, these kind of things that were put on by the park, and you guys played on the steps, or you were part of this unit. Yeah, I can't right. remember their name. Tantar. Okay. When yeah. was that, Joe? What, I think that was uh, 1970, 71. Whoa. Yeah, like yeah. That. It's yeah, like 13 71. or 14 years old. Huh. Were they yeah. Wemos? Yeah. Okay. So the, the neighborhood thing, and so that's yeah. where you, uh, you're you jamming the guitar. I wasn't playing music then. Not even yet. No, okay. I, I was just... I think I picked... That's when I first picked up an acoustic guitar, and... Yeah. Decided to play because of those guys. One like, of the oh, guys in the music. band would, yeah, okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And okay, but you didn't really start playing until later in your Later 20s. on, yeah. I mean, you're an, you've been an artist a lot. When did you start drawing and painting? I guess since junior high. Yeah, so that's that. what you did first. And then yeah. like extended that over to music. Yeah, I, uh, it was sort of an experiment. I thought I'd try to do music as an art experiment. Hmm. And I met Jack, and he had all the equipment. So I thought, I'll just try this out. For a year or so, you know. You and Jack worked together that year. Yeah, and then um, it, it just kept going. I never went back to doing art anymore. I just started doing music after that. Well, a little bit. I saw the re- reactionary tribute record. Oh yeah, I just did that cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you do a little still. That. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to go back to drawing again. Ah. And painting. Okay. Okay. Nothing. We're talking like late seventies, right? With uh, playing, getting on the guitar, and playing with yeah, Jack Brewer. because he was playing with the cat he told me named uh, Marshall Mello. Right, and they had what was well, it? they had that group, the Obstacles. Well, even before that, it Newport and yeah, that's when they were just the two of them. They had, this, they had, they had this name, Newport two names, but it wasn't their names. <laughs> was it like, their middle name or something? Was that what it was? It's it was a, like Newport and Millhouse or something. <laughs> Milton. I Milton. Think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I guess Jack was doing a lot of dust and so he said it was kind of a hard time for him and he was in the doors and Bowie but you really couldn't hear it and I think it was more Marshall Mellow's kind of music and Jack yeah they would write songs together and that's when I met them they were doing that and I went to their rehearsal and I was recording them and the drummer just couldn't keep a beat you know so the next day at work, Jack says, well, what do you think? And I, I didn't want to say anything. I said, maybe you need a bass player, because I didn't have a bass player. Yeah. Thinking maybe that would help the drummer, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, 
he just didn't say anything for a while. And then a few minutes later, he said, why don't you play bass for us? You know? And I thought, huh. Hmm. So then I thought I'd give it a try. So I played bass yeah. with those guys for about a, a month or two. But they thought I was trying to turn it into a punk band, and they started to quit, you know. I was ruining their band, yeah, yeah. a punk band. <laughs> so eventually they all quit, and it was just Jack and myself. And then we tried to put a band together at that point. Mm. <clears throat> it took Dezo. a year. Yeah, Des was with us for a while, but then he left yeah. to join Red Cross. Right, right. It was a struggle. And then it wasn't until we got Rich and Lewis that we actually had a band. We had a band before that, too, but... It didn't hold, yeah, when Dad's first came in, it gets, you know, I forget all the details. But. I know how you ended up at Pedro Georgie's. That was so trippy, but I remember jamming with you guys there. Then the other weird <laughs> coincidence, you moved to Pedro, you end up living underneath D. Boone on 19th That's Street. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. That was totally wild. And because <laughs> we saw you at gigs, we knew you had gigs, but we didn't know you personally, but we knew of you. That's how I matched you up at, oh, really? at, from the park. Yeah, I mean, you know, in those days, the scene was so small and distinctive. I, in fact, I still see people from them days. I recognize them. You know, you'd be talking to somebody, and then they'd be playing. Uh, to me, that's the logical uh, next step if you're a real fan of rock music, I guess, at that time. Yeah. And that you had these big bands on the stage and the arenas. and Yeah. The next step was, you know, you're such a rock fan. What are you going to do? Well, I'll just have my own band. You know, I'll just do that myself. I know, but the situation, Long Beach Arena, I'm going to play there. But no, a little just, club. They just, everyone just thought, well, who cares about that? Yeah, They're yeah. They're just going to play in that little funky Actually, place. Actually, I didn't know and, about clubs you know, until. Who cares pump. if I can do a guitar solo or not or whatever. It's just playing for your friends. Yeah, right. Or yeah. just an expression, you know. Mm. It was great, I thought. And writing own songs, not just copying. Yeah, That was right. a lot different. Every band I knew, of, even if the dudes could play well. They copied. And punk guys, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they went right away started writing songs. So that was nowadays that's pretty normal. That cool. But in those days that was a way different reality. Nobody just wrote songs. Well later when the Orange County thing happened yeah. and the, then they started to copy each other. They wanted to sound right. like the popular right, band right. that was from Huntington Beach or something, you know. Yeah. So with a mixture of another band that's kind of popular, you'd always hear that, you know. So, so when you got yeah. into guitar, who did you like? Let me did think. you have guitar? Uh, not hero, but uh, like inspire, inspirer. Well, the very first time I started to play guitar, yeah. let me think. Uh, I liked uh, Glitter Rock then at that time. Oh, yeah, so Mark Bolin. Mark Bolin and David Bowie and... Mick Ronson. St stuff like that. Mick Ronson, yeah, I liked the, the stuff he did on there. So did you listen to records and like try to figure them licks out? No, never. I, once in a while, I try. I still don't do that. But no, but I mean, in those days, that's what we did. See, that's yeah. yeah I, I I don't know why I don't do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's helpful. It. You know? I don't know because we didn't know about this idea of trying to write your own songs. We just didn't know. Well, when I yeah. actually started to play with yeah. Jack and decided I was going to play guitar, I wanted to take it from a, a place where there were no roots. You know, I didn't want to have, have any kind of background. So. That, at that point, I said, I'm not going to come from any anywhere. You know, I'm just going to make up my own thing. So that was my approach. It was kind of my art extension, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, we music. got into that, too, when we found out other dudes were doing that. 
that you didn't have to copy records and play the standard licks. But we didn't have any idea of that at first. So we thought everybody copied records until, you know, the gods tapped you on the shoulder <laughs> and had you come up to Mount Olympus with them and deliver the good time, you know. Well, yeah. We had, well, we had no idea about this. You just go do it because you want it. I know it sounds so simple. And but then with reactionaries, you had that. Reactionaries, we try. Uh-huh. And uh, that's the first time I was writing songs. I mean, I wrote one song as a teenager called Mr. Bass King Outer Space. And uh, you know, it was terrible. I wrote some songs when I, in my first period. I wrote some acoustic songs that were kind of like David Bowie songs. Yeah. I think I wrote about eight songs and I recorded them on a eight track. Uh, Do you got them? <laughs> Do you got them? No, I, I lost that oh. thing. But it was one of these. Rec- Eight track home yeah. deals. Where you We're not talking eight track uh, like reel to reel. We're talking the plastic cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did my songs on there, and I, the tape got lost or something. But they were know. big square cartridges, right, yeah, yeah. and they would just cut off in the like it ten the minutes. Next of, track. Right. Yeah. Actually, you'd have four tracks because they were stereo. That's right. Yeah, it would go click. Right into the middle of the song, and, <laughs> or fade out and go out. Yeah, those were funny, kind of. Uh, but yeah, for me, that I mean, the, the whole root having no roots was was it didn't last very long. Because I remember when I first heard the Minutemen, and you, we went to hear you guys rehearse. Is before your first gig at Harvard College. Well, we were getting it together right above you when you were living there. Right, you guys were yeah. But when I I, I just went wow, you know. <laughs> Because you played about twelve songs or ten songs, short ones. I never, I didn't know when yeah, the song really ended or, or began. Yeah. You know, or ran them it all just together. Sounded like a, it sounded like a weird one big long song. song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, what was that? You know, it's like, yeah, that's cool. You know, well, because of the reactionaries, we thought was not reactionary enough or not not wild enough break mm-hmm. with our past, and so we were trying extreme. That from got ideas from that band Wire of making little. Very little. Yeah, wire. Also, we're watching the gigs. Floor. Yeah, germs and stuff. These guys mm-hmm. played really short. And so we thought, wow, we should try that. Maybe. That was uh, a yeah, very interesting time, I thought. Yeah, so you start playing and for Sacred Trust, and you're playing the guitar for Jack. And uh, you write your first... Well, first you did a song for the Cracks in the Sidewalk compilation. Yeah, right. What's it? Hearts and Barbarians. Hearts and Barbarians. I think our approach then was Jack would write songs on his acoustic guitar, and he'd have a, a song he'd write and go, check this out. He'd play it and sing it. And I'd go, hmm, I don't want to play that A chord and then go to that G chord or whatever. So I thought, I had this idea, why don't we have the bass do that? So we'd have the bass play his chord progression. Right. And then I'd play another guitar part over that. I'd create some kind of different guitar over the chord progression or whatever it was, you know. So that was my approach. With yeah, right. Right away. Right away. Yeah. I remember there were some power chord saccharine songs, but not a yeah, lot. Yeah, throw that in. Yeah, so there would be like the anthem ones would be right. kind of more power chord. <laughs> but the other ones would have the guitar either sympathetic to the melody to singing or counterpointing it was very yeah. interesting kind of stuff like what you would find in a two guitar band when guitar would do this and one would do rhythm you guys just did away with that and had the bass guy do the rhythm 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, then you made an album called, well, EP, like half album, called Pagan Icon, Pagnicons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pagan Icons. And I'm, I was there, and I remember you recording it really quick. I don't remember. Was it fast when we recorded that? Maybe I guess that's two days. Way. Wow, it was that fast. Huh? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I mean, that's the SST budget, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get in there and get out of there, you know. Yeah, our first one was one night yeah. and mixed. Ours really? recorded and mixed in the first same Jeez, night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pa- paranoid time. Yeah. And we're 002. I think you guys were 004. Yeah, I think we. I think we had ours done before everyone, but then they kept holding off on it. Oh, three was jealous again. I think. Yeah, they had it in the back shelf for a while, and they finally released it. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that, those tunes, uh, they were from the gigs, right? Those are the early that you would do for your shows. And uh, in fact, you guys went on a bunch of tours then with Black Flag. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Several of them. Right? Yeah. Three, yeah. four, five? Something like that. Six? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. They did a lot of flag tracks. tours. <laughs> and uh, and then going through the rhythm sections. Yeah, I think uh, by that time, Holtzman was on drums and Earl was playing bass. And Rich and Lewis had left. Right. And then on the first tour, Holtzman decided he didn't want to be in the band anymore. He didn't want to do that. And so Tony... So Tony came in. I called Tony right in the middle of the tour and just asked him if he had any uh, suggestions for a drummer, and he volunteered himself. I thought he would do that, too, when I called him. <laughs> he was all play. I said, all right. So we had a drummer even you know, when we got back. Right, right. Just changed things. Every time a new musician would come in, it would change the sound of sound. Yeah, big time, us. because the next album yeah. is Surviving You, right? Right. And, and there, there's another bass player. That's... Uh, the Long Beach guy, Mark? Mark Hodson, yeah. He came in. Earl went to the Circle Jerks. That's right. Rob uh, went, uh, who was he playing with? The Slovenly. Slovenly. Yeah. He moved up to San Francisco right. with those guys. And then uh, uh, after that, that's when you got uh, Bob Fitzer on bass. He's yeah, after Mark. Yeah, And uh, that's like this world uh, broken era. But I want to, uh, and and then drums. Yeah, yeah he, he hung in, in the there. Band that's right until the end. That's right. The bass players kept changing, and, and Bob was a friend of Tony's, so that's how that happened. That's how he got brought in. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's stabled out by then. But by that time, there's big changes. You start making side bands. Oh yeah, we were with that Universal jam Congress. Band. Oh, that was after Sacra, and then. Yeah, yeah. They're not happening at the same time at all. No, Sacra Trust, I. I said, let's, let's just stop this now. So Jack and I quit the band, our own band. And um, then I started Universal Congress of. Because I was kind of headed that direction with this mixture of punk and jazz. Yeah, you started... I uh, to do that. You started, yeah, investigating bebop music, right? Yeah, and I think that's... And bringing it I, over to guitar. Right, I wanted to do this... And not, not really like West Montgomery kind of thing or something, but actually like trying to play horn lines... On the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Not really, you know, comping jazz chords like traditional jazz guitars, but like taking the horn lines and bringing them to the guitar. 
which was yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that was another step for me. But that's, I think that's what happened with Saccharin Trust, is everyone had a different idea of what they wanted in that yeah. band. Jack was sort of uh, into his words, and he kind of wanted a Doors kind of thing, or Jim Morrison, he wanted to... And then Fitzer was into his kind of fusion, fusion thing, and Tony was a prog kind of guy. Yeah, right. He wanted to jam on the drums. He wanted to... You know, and I had my jazz thing or whatever, so you could the different directions kind of pulling yeah. apart at that point. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. How did you come to jazz? I well, or did it actually, it was bef- bef- before I got into punk rock. I discovered bebop, and I was re- I was reading a Jack Kerouac books, mm-hmm. and there'd always be some mention of bebop and the Tanner Man and all this kind of stuff. Like, what is this bebop? You know, I didn't like jazz. I thought, yeah, the bebop. What's this bebop stuff? So I went to the library and I got some Charlie Parker records. Mm. Bird. There was something about Bird. I, who's Bird? I didn't know who he was. Yard Bird, I think, was his. Yeah, and I, and I put that record on and went, wow, my head just, top of my head just blew off. You know, oh. Yeah, that guy. There was so much energy. Yeah, he could jam. And it was suddenly, for me, it was sort of a, I didn't have to focus on current popular music. There was mm. music, it just opened the window, the door opened up. And, I realized, well, there's all kinds of music out there. I don't have to focus on popular music. So yeah. I started listening to bebop, and I liked the energy in it. And it sounded crazy to me, so that's what started it. Even when I went to the, the punk rock clubs, I, I was into bebop. And yeah. The thing I liked most about the punk gigs was the energy yeah. in the shows, the atmosphere, and people on the parking lot, and the alley, and in the club and the music was part of it and the the characters that were there you know the personalities yeah that's yeah, really yeah attracted me you know yeah the yeah. music was just part of it yeah sure sure so it was and, and, and plus reading those books so you know i was living in wilmington and san pedro and torrance so going into the city and being part of an urban atmosphere right. you know yeah wow here i am in the city and just walking down this street here and there's this alleyway and who are these people and it kind of reminded me of being a beatnik or something. You know? <laughs> I had that feeling of uh, those books, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, here I am, and, there's, and now it's you know whatever, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty or something. Hmm. But I wasn't playing music right. till later. Yeah. But you were turned on so before a, you started. It was a latent. Yeah. It was a latent right. time bomb. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and to go off a non-musician because this comes in because you yeah because yeah. you do the saccharin the beginning saccharin thing and then. This comes on. Yeah, so that was my approach, non-musician. Yeah. Right. You know, right, and then right. it's still like that, you know. I, I, as years went on, I would study and practice and study on my own and try to learn about music. But it's from that same non-musician approach because I didn't like the musician attitude of uh, hierarchy or whatever. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I didn't like that. So I said, I'm not going to be a musician, you know. Yeah. So that's that was my approach in the beginning. Still is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a little more uh, articulated. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let's play. I have some right. obstacles. Let's play. Some. All right. Oh. 
from Pedro show uh, started off there with help us by the obstacles but Joe Biden remembers it as helpless so I don't know that, that, that's what Jack Brewer told me and then we heard uh, AAA by R. Stevie Moore a little guitar sonata and that Woodpile Woodpile's on the side of the road by Jack Rose he just passed away he was a great slide guitarist in his 40s or something really young and then uh, hang on to yourself, something live from the germs, uh, the germs copying Bowie. And um, Joe buys his pissing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I remember being on tour with Joe, and like, he'd get a sip, I think, bladder like this, you know, just a <laughs> sip of coffee. Pull it over, Mike. <laughs> remember the, the first operatorian? Nels Klein, he. Recorded the album with me, but he couldn't tour, so Joe went and did three tours with me. And, uh, you, I mean, he had already been a touring veteran, you know, from Sacramento and Flag and all this, but a uh, little different style touring, and you got to learn to use the the piss bottle. Yeah, I had to, you pull that, I had to use that on the way over here, actually. <laughs> oh, so, all right. It's, it's useful. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm never going to suffer again. It's a long drive from L.A. to Pedro. Yeah. And you're 58 years old. Yeah. So, the piss bottle, we did a, 
Interesting tour. First one was Steve Hodges, and then two with Bob Lee. Joe on the guitar. And a trippy interpretation. Actually, there was two or three gigs, maybe three, where there was actually four-man opera, right? Nels came yeah, on board. Right, yeah, he, one yeah. was at Mr. T. I think I one was Casbah in San Diego, and one might have been downtown Long Beach. I think it was oh, a former bank or something. Remember, right. it had a high-ass yeah. roof. So they actually... Joe came and saved the day for me because, I mean, he learned that thing quick. I mean, you had the little book, though, right? The first, uh, I think the first time we played in New York, I had the book. Yeah, a little book my... between your feet or something. Right. I don't know how the fuck you saw that. Somebody shit. from the audience grabs this book, I'm going to be in big trouble. Because <laughs> the people are right there. Just... Yeah. But I don't they know how you could see you know, down that far. Well, that's when we had well, the wrote, younger eyes. I wrote, yeah, I had <laughs> better eyes than but... I can barely see set lists now. So I don't like to play with my glasses on. And uh, Bob Lee too, learned it pretty fast. Hodges never learned it. And he recorded it. Remember that? He was forgetting his own songs. <laughs> it was a trip. <laughs> it was a trip. But he, he, it was a great spirit, great thing. For me, it was kind of scary. First time, uh, you know, going and doing stuff like that. I never thought of writing big pieces. So That was a lot of fun playing that. And yeah. You really, had to be, the thing about it, you had to be there. You had to be, it wasn't like you were just playing a song and mm-hmm. I'm not in the mood today, but I'll play the song. This thing, you had to be emotionally on it. So you couldn't just fake it, you know. So every time you played that thing, you had to be ready to do it. You know. Yeah, I know. So it was it it, it was an experience for me, and I knew every time it was kind of draining on me. Yeah, I had to relive like you had to the get whole into thing. The character, you know? Yeah. And you couldn't just play the song. All right, I'm not in the mood today. No, you had to be because right. had that improvised section. And, Lots and, of it. You know, and you and did great on that because oh, you know yeah. Nels Klein recorded and outlined it, but then Joe Biza took it to his mm-hmm. world, which was great. Which was. Kind of the thing you want to do for ba- as a bass player. You just want to set people up. You don't want to... The, the way the instrument is, it ain't wide enough. It's foundationist, and it can't make the whole sound. The guitar has so much more sounds, a wider breadth. So you, you set them up with uh, some bass lines, starts and stops. But after that, it's so great to see them uh, use their imagination and... Uh, actually uh, show people a side of themselves, even though they're working your tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it, it, kind of weird writing songs on bass for people that way. Different than writing on a piano or a guitar. I think that shapes out the tune a lot more, right? Yeah, I work better that way myself. I've always worked with bass players. So I know, I know. I, I was going to say, um, yeah. Universal Congress, Ralph. Started right. ra- work, working with Ralph, right? Yeah. And uh, many collaborations. Ralph Gordetsky. And we're playing again, Ralph. We have the Mechalodiacs again. Again? Yeah. This is a band that's come and gone many times. Yeah, now uh, Klukas is playing trumpet and Wayne Griffin's playing drums. Wayne's still on the drums. Yeah, yeah great. He's been with you a long time. Yeah, so it's a solid group. Like Saccharin, you know. Really? Yeah. And, yeah, there was a version... It was a version that did a lot of gigs in Germany. Universal Steve. Congress of, yeah. Yeah, not Mechalodiacs, yeah. Pre-Mechalodiacs. 
extension of the Universal Congress, and it was Ralphie and Steve Moss. Steve Moss and Jason Kahn. Jason Kahn on the drums. And I guess Jason and Steve ended up living in Germany, right? Yeah, well, they, yeah, Jason decided he wanted to play free improvised music. Now he does electronic sounds. Are they still living, both still in Germany? Jason lives in Zurich. Oh, Switzerland. Yeah, and uh, Moss lives in Munich. And then the other bass player had Steve Gaeta. Right, Steve Gaeta. He lives in Frankfurt. So they're all. He stayed over too, right, right. And there's a chance we might play uh, in May. Wow. So, yeah, there's a booking... Because Sacra's going to go over there in middle of May to do all tomorrow's parties. Mm-hmm. And uh, this German booking agent wants to organize a tour where Sacra plays and the old Universal Congress of. So I'll be doing a both... Twofer. Yeah. If they can book that. So they're working on And you it ain't now. played with those guys in a long time, huh? No. But that was a pretty <laughs> extensive thing. I remember you going over there a lot. You were touring over there more than here. Yeah. 89 went over and just didn't know what was going to happen. But there was a big scene there for us. Right, right. Because of that magazine Specs, that German magazine. Yeah, right. They uh, Well, it started off with Specs. Uh, some writer from Specs, a German lady, came to an SST showcase in New York when they had one of those uh, seminar things. I forget what it's called now. CMJ. Some, yeah, it was at CBGB's, the, the gig, and uh, all these bands were playing. And Universal Congress uh, played first really early. There was about 20 people there. Yeah, the good spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of the people was this lady, this German lady, and she wanted to interview us because they were doing a piece on SST and they were picking certain bands to do some things yeah. about. So they interviewed, they interviewed us in the back room there. And we went through our little joking routines we always did, but we realized, oh, this person's kind of serious, you know, <laughs> this person with this funny accent. So we just started answering the questions more seriously and talking about music, and that was it. Well, who was that? Okay, whatever. But later, it turns out, they wrote this piece on Universal Congress of and SST and this magazine Specs. It was, had a lot of influence in Germany. So that's what got things going for us then. There was a some interest so we went over not even realizing it and sold you know packed shows and yeah 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 that kind of thing wow. we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up we're <laughs> at the end of the first hour uh january 24 2010 old time for hour two man when i sleep i have to put a towel with tape around so i don't stand it <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh january 24 2010 second hour watt for pedro's show
l'emozione arriva al mio cervello, simile ad un'eccitazione provocata da orgasmi multipli, per poi calmarsi e farmi perdere tra i miei nuovi sensi, da supereroe, l'ago mi fuga in braccio, mio stesso respiro mi stava affogando nessun superpotere, nessun superpotere, nessun superpotere, persi i sensi, dovevo smetterla con quella vita.
Good cover rock band
Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, started the second hour with a bunch of stuff from Italy. Uh, first was um, Sigoti with I May Not Get There With You. And then uh, Storia Divisi ed Edili by La Via Degli Astronati. It's a Be Napoli good. band. <laughs> and uh, Bita Visera by Zoo. You know Zoo. Roma yeah, band. Yeah, Great cats. Um, Perisiqua by La Carogna. And then Osorota by Mr. Ocio and his imaginary friends band. It's a one man band. The guy plays guitar and drums. And it's imaginary fun. <laughs> what else could it be? You know, you know these things where the guy's doing the cymbals between the legs and singing and <laughs> harmonica. Yeah, it's one of And then um, Easy to Use by Nekos, another Nap- Napoli band. Nekos is Japanese for cat, though. They're, you would like them. They have uh, dance beats and stuff. But uh, <clears throat> Italy's in Europe, so uh, let's continue the talk with Germany. Uh, yeah, I just asked what the, what the crowds were like, uh, the Germans like to play for. Well, they were really enthusiastic, and they seemed to be really aware of what was going on with the underground music scene, even mm-hmm. probably more so than Americans would be. They'd know this and who was in that band and... What records came out, and they were into the independent uh, music thing at that time, eighties, I guess. This was before uh, the wall came down. Right. So West Germany had a lot of money. When you would play Europe, Mm -hmm. most of your gigs would be German. Right. And uh, you know to pay for the the tour and stuff, but Joe Biza carved out a a niche. Right. A lot of the venues were subsidized by the government, Mm -hmm. and they'd have a cultural kind of venues. You know, they would do something every week they'd have a dance troupe and they'd have some play and then next week they'd have a rock band from America or something you know? so it was kind of like yeah, a whole circuit network of that. like that you, know? you weren't playing like bars like you do in US in England was like US too but yeah they were almost like teen centers or something yeah. to give kids uh, things to do and then also part of the culture something that is just total merch here you don't you know I guess there's some things for like painters, fine artists, but not popular, not, not music like. It was interesting. There were older and young, old and young people there, you know. Yeah, there was. So it was. Yeah, people from the hippie days. Yeah. Were still would go to punk shows in Europe, no yeah. problem. There was, and then it kind of changed, right? The dance music came, and yeah, things. I don't know how it's like what it's like now, but well, it did start to change. It did. I think. Also, a lot of maybe got worked by maybe too many U.S. bands that weren't uh, oh, that were yeah. too generic in yeah, that kind of dry that, thing. And also, the wall to... came down, and they had to took a lot of money to bring the East in. So, so all, all that yeah. that was sort of not it wasn't around as much as it was before. Right, right. Different situation. I did it for four years, and then I got tired of it because it almost seemed kind of began to be a little routine. And, yeah. Same old, same old. We'll see you next year, you know, at this, we'll do the same thing again. I started to feel like, oh, gosh, I can't go on like this. I love Lucy rewrote. <laughs> <laughs> this week it's mayonnaise, next week it's pizzas. <laughs> Ricky. Yeah, that's the feeling I had. And the yeah. guys at that time in the group were just, I don't know. Coasting? Yeah. They just, the easier it got, it seemed the more people started to complain. And 
Oh, the wine factor. Yeah, they didn't want got to hiked up. Wow, Nothing like a wine factor getting hiked up. <laughs> Everyone knows really hard, and we had to do these things. Now yeah. it's so easy, and you can't, you know. But there was no belly aching before. Uh, That's weird. Humans are like that. I've seen that situation a lot. Sure. You just don't appreciate it. I guess when you're struggling, you just don't really. Right, right. You bite the bullet, you get on with it. It's funny, though, before all that happened, though, in 1990, I did a tour with Jason Kahn. We did an improvised duo tour in the eastern, all like East Germany and some of the eastern countries. That's right after the wall came down. Now, it was really interesting just to see these cities at that time, you know, because you go mm-hmm. into this place and it's just a new exposed place and it's kind of beat up looking. Yeah. Beautiful at the same time because there'd be big trees in the street. Which and cities did you hit? I can't even remember Prague. anymore. Yeah, Prague. We played in Prague. Budapest? Yes. Budapest. And um, a lot of East German cities. Poland? Did, never played in Romania or Poland. No. How about uh, Frank? What's that other Frankfurt? That's East Frankfurt or whatever. Yeah. That's the closest I got to Poland. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, now I have Mechalodiacs, and I call it Joe buys a Congress of, uh-huh. and they're really similar. So. Oh, there's a there's a SoCal. Yeah, right. So it's just Congress of. Oh. And then there's Mechalodiacs, which people get confused all the time between. Okay, the who's in this Congress of? Uh, Stuart Liebig is playing. Stuart. Bass. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's the same, and Dan and Wayne and myself. So it's the same thing, but a different bass player. With players. a different bass player. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly <laughs> different tunes, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. But those guys, I mean, they can play, you know. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congress with, with Stuart is more like a player's band. They just play. You can't, you know, maybe they rehearse once and then they play. Mm. Right. And Mechalodex is more a thing where we work things out. Work out and, tunes. Yeah, work tunes out and think about it. Arrangements or subtleties like that. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference for me between those two. Right, and I think a listener would pick up on some differences also. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Let's play some more music.
Need a refill on your beer yet? Yeah, I like it. Why, from Pedro Show? No, I just heard a bunch of music from Japan. Uh, start off with two at Takigo by Wanike, Wakine, Dodo by Tenko, Van Kan Ish See Wiedersehen, which is German. I think it's When Will I See You Again by Akira Sakata. He's a saxophone player. I got to play with somebody from the free jazz scene in the 60s. Uh, I got to play with him with uh, Jim O'Rourke. He's great. I ate Yui Bing this morning uh, by the Ruins, something live from a gig of theirs in China, and then Sneak Attack by Bass Army. <clears throat> you know, I want to bring you over there. Yeah, I just seen Melt Banana at the Troubadour. <laughs> Is that a wild band? Yeah, they're that really, guy I got really on, good. on the guitar. That's Tom Watson's favorite guitarist. Oh, really? Do you yeah, play with yeah. the mask on? Yeah, he has this yeah. kind of thing over his mouth, like a dust mask or something. A lot of pedals, and very wacky yeah. uh, compositions and execution. And <laughs> That band is intense. I can't believe they've been around that long either. Since early they're... 90s? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of drummers, but oh, the really? three... Other ones have stayed. They met at a language school. I got to interview one of them. Mm. I've gotten to do some gigs with them. But, mm. I mean, there's a lot of different music happening over there. And uh, they're one kind. They're, oh, their own kind. There are some bands that kind of play with them. But I like over there the, the variety. So that's why I want to bring you over and check it out. What about uh, U.S. tour plants? Sacred. Nothing like that. No. Just yeah. this year of adventure. Yeah. And recording? You know, we're going to start recording. We keep trying to get going, but um, it just, Sacred moves so slow, you know. So. Oh, there's a phase we forgot, yeah. this phase with Richie. Oh, yeah, Richie, right. Yeah. Because that's kind of like Sacred revived, right? Oh, when Richie came in, Richie yeah. came in... Uh, you bring back the band because the band was on hiatus while you were doing these uh, Universal Congress and Michelodiac. Uh... No, when, when Sacrin first started again. Yeah. And it's, it's strange that the, the Sacrin that exists now with Brian Christopherson and Chris Stein has been together longer than all the, than the other ones. Yeah, right. Previous Sacrins. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so that's right. They started with them and then Richie came Richie in. Richie came in. We decided to try a vibraphone. These yeah, so are recordings of this. Live recordings, and we'd like to release something live with Richie on okay. it. Okay, but you guys never went in the studio. Okay. No, never have. Richie uh, Hess was a, a shame. Um, he was a, actually a drummer too, and a, yeah. a vibes player, and he was in Sacramento for a while, and uh, he got cancer and died a couple of years ago. But uh, he really gave a different sound to Sacramento. Oh, Those yeah, vibes, yeah. that was a trip. He complimented you really well. Yeah, we worked out arrangements for the vibraphone. And even the old songs, when we'd play them, we'd have the, the vibraphone play some of the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> trippy. Interesting kind of texture. You know? The closest thing I could think of is like a little bit like Captain Beefheart when he used the vibes a little bit. Because uh-huh. it was still very much saccharine music. But it was, a, it was a different saccharine music than all the other ones in a way. Because you never had a foil. You guys only changed rhythm sections. You never brought in another tenor uh, mid-range instrument uh-huh. yeah so this is the first time you bring in a voice thing there's never another singer it's always you and Jack in the mid-range and above 
Yeah. So this is the first time you brought in another chordal instrument. Yeah, right. That wasn't a drum and a bass, so it was really distinctively different sound. So you're going to record. You did have plans to record with Richie, though, huh? I oh, remember yeah. Nell's we're, telling me something. We were working on things, and uh, then, and then Richie died. And yeah, yeah. Here we go.
Yeah, I smoke it. It's good to be high and not drunk. Why is it better to be high than drunk? Oh, uh, you have better language, better action, more activities, and more individual parties going on. You have better parties, better social life. It's better relaxing. No fighting, no clowning. It's, it's more enjoyment. More enjoyable.
make circles and swift patterns with my tongue thrust into the ice cream. I lap it delicately like a kitten with milk. I put all my mouth over the ball of ice cream, sliding my tongue down until my lips touch the cone. Then I slowly withdraw until the creamy rivulets start dripping, and I can catch the drops on the very tip of my tongue. I am prepared to awaken my body fully by increasing the tone of my love muscles. My body coordinates its responses fully on demand, thus creating the ultimate unbridled sexual satisfaction. For this, I teach another organ to respond more fully, a self-induced experience that deepens and prolongs the pleasure that's the basis for full sexual stimulation. I pick a time when I'm assured of lengthy privacy. I remove my clothes and sprawl on my bed.
What was the motivation, inspiration? Well, it started off with little uh, Martin Luther King, Michael Jackson, Jackson right. mashup, <laughs> partially because last week on Martin Luther King, they had, Monday was. I played Bobby Kennedy instead of Martin Luther King. That's right. Uh, but uh, this was a little uh, download I got from my old friend, uh, Mark Revely, who's doing something called Beats Antique. And um, then we slipped into uh, some big, fat bass tones. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see, I don't remember what we... Just, <laughs> oh, the guy's got something nasty there, huh? Um, yeah, the ice cream girl. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take okay. it for what it is. Thank you so much, brother Matt. <laughs> and uh, we're at the end of the second hour of the January 24, 2010 Watt Peter Show. Hold tight for hour three. January 24th, 2010. It's third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. So, Die soon! 
for Pedro Show started off third hour with Fist in the World by the Peabottle Men a German band oh these cats are from Germany too uh, they're called the Iron Fist of Foo and uh, their tune's called Puke All Day and then Jobs Worth Twice Removed by Position Normal and finally Lead by the Unknown Instructors Unknown instructors. Joe Biza. Yeah. We've done three albums. Next week <clears> I have you. Uh, I'll flow you a, a yeah, bass we'll thing. Start the next. We're going to do a volume four, right? Yeah. It's like the Led Zeppelin. <laughs> volume four. <laughs> no, but. Maybe tell people I've played a lot of unknown instructors on the show from all three of the albums, but maybe you can give a little because uh, that's one project we haven't talked about in your music. Yeah, that's a uh, vocabulary. Well, Dan uh, McGuire initiated that. Dan's a uh, poet from Toledo. Yeah. How? I remember him from that time and. When I first met him, when I was on tour with you, and we stayed at Come the gigs, yeah, in Concord's right. Pad. I think it was a cloister. He, what was that? He, had, he used to have a place in that big, like a church or yeah, some church some or kind something. of thing. Yeah, that was a crazy night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a wild got, night. Yeah, we got kind of thrown out of there in the morning. <laughs> some dude like was it, in a hell of a rage. Yeah, right. It was a big place, and it was. And all this furniture in there, and I don't—I ended up sleeping in some, looked like a library or something, on a big couch. In the morning, I heard some kind of yelling, and I opened the door, and some guy with a broom's kind of trying to get Mike out from under a table. Yeah, because yeah, I was he's, talking he under his, a table. He found a place under a table in the hallway. Or something. <laughs> he's like brooming me yeah, out. Like, get out! And they chased me out and chased us out, and I don't know. It's, it's so it was like after hours at the church. It wasn't really. <laughs> it was a, a former church, I yeah, think, that right. got turned into like a cultural center or something. Some, yeah, it was a strange place. It had a lot of. It was a big place, a lot of hallways and rooms. And but this is how we met yeah, Dan, and yeah. Dan's instrumental in getting the unknown instructors oh. together, working with Joe mainly, and then Joe brought uh, me and George Hurley. Well, the, yeah, the first time Dan just had us all get together and play, and then in fact, it was in Pedro. Huh? Yeah, it was at that. The studios didn't. Karma. Okay, it's, yeah, gone. it's gone. Now, they yeah. they moved to Poughkeepsie. We just went in and improvised, and then Dan uh, did some things, and Jack did some things on there, and you did something, and I did something, some spoken things. And then the second part of the project was later on, and uh, at uh, Total Access, right? Dondo with David Thomas. Yeah, David. We we actually did two of them at once. Right. So the last two albums were from one session. So this time, like, we'll have, I think, a little scripted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that post, because all three of those records, the post 
recordings and things yeah, way right. bigger than the actual recording. Interesting it's, with David Thomas, he kind of conducted us on some songs. Oh yeah, yeah, he he actually directed the, the pieces he was on. <laughs> That's what Georgie was just a little bit late. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets a drum set up and he starts playing, you know, he's like going through almost every lick he knows. It's like, whoa. And I thought I was having a flashback from L or something. I was seeing like, it, it was dust on his cymbals. And, whoa, I haven't played these in a while. Huh? I remember. And he was going through all his licks to get practice. He's warming up. Yeah. yeah he, hadn't, he had to warm up for a while. Yeah, it was a trip. <laughs> But Dave, before he got there, David goes, uh, where is this guy? And he's yeah. like, he goes, I can't believe you guys are so calm about it. He goes, he goes maybe it's a West Coast thing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he yeah, kept taking off more and more hard. clothes. Remember, he's in his chonies. And- <laughs> he goes, he's a funny guy. Goes, the studio was kind of hot. Okay. Goes, well, you know, I'm going to get into my swim trunks. And he comes out, he's like, just has some swim trunks and some sandals. Just really relaxed in there, walking around. And he had his telephone microphone, Yeah, which is pretty cool. He got some great sounds out of that. That was an experience, because we only knew him from the Perubu music. We yeah. didn't know him as a guy so much. That was very interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah. And, yeah, and we're waiting and waiting. I, inside, I wasn't so calm. It's stressful when that happens. It was very And the engineer wasn't much help. He was sort of... All right. He was kind of a problem. He didn't... We uh, Apparently, he didn't... set on... Right, and Dan had already on. told him what we wanted to do, and he tried to make something else happen, and there was some problems. He didn't like David's telephone microphone and yeah. things like that. He wasn't willing to experiment, I guess. Some engineers, you know, they see the situation, and they wrap their stuff around it. Other guys, like, you're bringing it to me. Yeah, no flex factor. Yeah, it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you know. You guys are just you, the... To toot your little tune. Let's play some music.
Kind of trippy. Um, what from Pedro Show? We heard uh, Old Town by Mind Grenade. And then Just Think from Sacrum Trust from the World Broken album. Uh, Kodama from Patrick Bowser. And I Want a Girl from Seven Foot Buffer. There's a band that you were in with Ralphie, uh, Packing Up Weba. Oh, Putanesca. Right. Putanesca. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was that like? That was when I remember seeing some gigs and uh, you'd be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of the gig, he was like cracking up. Maybe right? it's Ralph would be making a face, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it, with that thing, with a group like that, it's more supporting the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a, I like to play in different groups and use those situations for. Uh, Expand my experience in music, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is there a Putanesca so, album? There is one, yeah. And it's stuff we recorded uh, a while back, and then it was remixed. We do a Captain Beefheart song on one. So wow, which one? What is it? Um, I forget the name of it now. But that was a trip trying to learn that. But like I was saying, but <laughs> with Putanesca, it's it's supporting the singer, and but yeah. you know, and you got Weba's kind of she's a. She's a trip. She's uh It's good, you know. She's very uh, uh kind of outrageous a little bit. She's kind of theatrical and yeah. she, her her, her, her singing style is very smooth and and uh precise, I guess. And then you have something like me and Ralph and Wayne and the as her backup band. So it's a 
combination of this kind of nice singing with a kind of angular rhythm section. Yeah, right. You know, so we have to kind of keep things down and bring them up. And so my... A lot of dynamic. Yeah, a lot of dynamic. So when I play with that group, it's all about supporting the singer and just not stepping on what she's doing. It was a trip learning that Captain Beefheart song, though, for Putinesca, because yeah. uh, I never actually tried to play a Captain Beefheart song. And I, I'm listening to it going, what is going on here? And then I, I figured, yeah, right, <laughs> why they would drop beats and they have yeah. this thing where they play uh, cross things, you know, like someone would play it one time, another played it another time, and the, <laughs> at the point when they meet up again, they make a change or something. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there is a, it sounds like they're just making, they're just going for it, but actually it's planned out. Yeah. Well, uh, supposedly, you know, he did it all with his voice. Yeah, and all uh, the parts, and then the, they'd have to. The drummer would. Uh, John French, would, yeah. yeah. Drumbo. Yeah. Would write him down and stuff. But Spot told me once about trying out for him. And he, one thing he required of you, you could play back what he would sing to you. Exactly. Oh. So he'd go, da 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 da, and you'd have to play that to him. <laughs> because that's the way he composed and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Difficult. <laughs> Difficult stuff. Uh, yeah, it's very strange music for that time. Yeah, I did. Trout Mass. I put... Uh, 69 or something, Trout Mass replica. Yeah, yeah. I put Nels through a thing like that. I asked him to do a... Not... Um, I don't know. To a, car- a carrot? Oh, carrot as good as a diamond to right. a blind rabbit or something. <laughs> and it was this solo guitar thing, and he did it. But it was like, whoa. And then we did... Uh, Dirty Blue Jean. There's several versions but of that, but we did the one off Dock at the Radar Station. That was that was intense. That was intense. In fact, I used it on a tri- Beefheart tribute record. Really? Yeah. Man, it was hard to do, but that's when Nels was playing with Michael Preisner. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it is hard to play there because you can't. It's you're playing your part, and you can't really listen to the other parts because you're playing against the other part in a way. Yeah, right, right. And you got to keep your part right. So when it comes to the point when it's going to change, they all match up again. Somewhere. Right. If you're not steady, you know, all flub. You know, like the row, row, row your boat, yeah. and the other guy comes on. You got to stay on your row, row, row your <laughs> boat, or is it, you know. It's hard. People are influenced by what they hear. So for you to stay the course, it takes some discipline. Difficult, especially with different timings. Yeah. That's the only... Well, I learned that song. It's the only one I know, though. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it now. Yeah, you, you never got into copying a lot. I know. It was great. I remember you did a Peace Frog. You still do right, the Doris still do that, yeah. But not a lot. A lot of original. What do you do when you compose? Well, it's different. It depends on a different approaches. Because, um, like I said earlier, a lot of times my favorite way is with a bass player, and they'll have something. Seems like I need a kind of a some foundation, and I yeah. can create on top of that or something. Bounce off. Yeah. So if I do compose, sometimes I'll write a bass part. Off, right off. Ask the and then bass I'm, guy to play this. Yeah, okay, here we have this. Or if I have some chords and I'll have something and then come the, you know, I can do the bass part later. 
But it's something I need to work on more is, is writing music. I don't really Composition? Yeah. I've like written enough that. tunes, though. <laughs> okay, write some more. <laughs> write some more. <laughs> Me and Joe last recorded together. We did a, uh, God, what was it? It's a country western song. All right, yeah. It had a lot of chord yeah. changes. <laughs> that was. They were country chords. Well, and I walked are... the bass on it, and something I'm not used to. And they played it really fast. They wanted to do it really fast. It won't take nothing more than a bit of your time. There once was a cyclops that was stealing my mail. I caught him one early morning crest on his bail. My mail in hand, I could see my name. I chased him all so far but lame. My legs being that I was hurt in four years old, blah, blah, blah. Long story. Anyhow, I chased him but gave up, but saw where he ran back to. I called the police, but they hung up. A joke, they thought. A cyclops stealing your mail? Your spam? Ha ha ha, please sir, don't jest. Any hoot, here I am, sitting here mailless again. He gets up before me, the early bird catches the worm, which is my mail. So one day, cleverly me, I set a trap for the bastard. A nice set trap. Yes, I got me a mouse. Hanging upside down, I saw his only eye bleeding, and he just let out a small cry. Please, uh, please let me go. Please. No. Revenge has to play slow. Anyhow, any hoot, you're coming with me to my basement dungeon, and life shall be seized. Wiggle, free wiggle, might you'll never get, cause the rope's too tight. So come, hand it down, respect your new living sound. Yes, sir, I will go bravely, Cyclops Savory. Now you know that we're the men that cursed this land from way back then. Fuck you, you've been stealing my mail, and now you'll pay. I'm a hateful old man, and this is the way. Here's my axe, and there's my sword. Now prepare to die, you stupid boar. Please, sir, listen here. I've been reading your mail and paying your bills for you, because I love you. I knew you back in 
those crescent sideways Muslim moons Like on the flags, but yet not the flags No, deeper than any flag Deepest down towards the source of your windless light Sideway crescents, windows bright Eyes for me truly only sighs Words can surely put it poorly So I will sigh from inside While outside They tell me they want to ride the big train Well then Get on board with Coltrane, cause this here brain is insane. Every word of Mayday meant to say, stay away. Except maybe to weave flannel sleeve with threads of art and make-believe. Maybe transcend a brutal reality. I guess it was time for me to find. You and dance with your mind, Machia Pai.
Okay. Uh, that was another one of those one-man bands, but this the guy's from uh, Brazil. And his name is... Uh, Old Landario Chucro Billy Man. <laughs> and with Chicken Flow. Before that, we heard us Shrub by Sal. A woman, yeah, pig. And then uh, Majigabai by Unknown Instructors. First uh, song off the, the third one. And we started off with the, the Cyclops from Foot. Uh, Joe, got plans for future? Well, yeah. The, You're talking about some touring for sack, recording for sack, recording with Sacron, and um, hopefully maybe doing some touring over there in Europe. What about recording Mechalodia? Yeah, maybe so. Someone's um, someone's asked us to do something for that with that group, so we'll see how that goes. Of course, the fourth unknown instructor. Yeah. But that's kind of all I've got going right now. And getting your arm well. Yeah, right. That kind of thing. That's such a hell. Such a hell. Because, you know, it's risky with the surgery, the first one you had. And it went so well. And then there's this other thing on top. Thing, yeah, it's just my luck. Criminy. But well, the, <laughs> with carpal tunnel, it's so painful. When yeah, you yeah, to play. right. It's, especially holding chords, it's just this pain comes into the hand and but that's fine now but now with the cubital now you got the numb thing yeah yeah what, what carpal tunnel and what's the other one cubital tunnel cubital thing. tunnel yeah so well man uh, anybody who works a guitar like you deserves to have that shit be gone yeah <laughs> <laughs> my my decree my wish my well, yeah, I hope so yeah because uh, like that doctor told you stop playing guitar Bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors, what do they know? Yeah, what do they know? <laughs> no. So, forget that. That that advice. Just uh, well, for me, guitar is sort of an outlet. So yeah, of course, it's hard not. It's cut like that a, off. Like smoking a cigarette. I don't know. You know, yeah. something you do. You know, what am I going to do? I'll just play some guitar now. You know, practice or play. So it's foot organ. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want that. You don't want that. But so great. I mean, the whole thing, uh, an adventure you picked up on your own, you've been continuing on your own. It's all your own vision. It's great. Yeah, I've been playing since I started when I was 27. And yeah. And just I did it because you want to do it. And uh, it's heroic for me. It's inspirational. If I get feeling sorry for myself a little bit, no, no, look at Joe Biza. If he can do it, you can do it, what? So thank you for being there for me. And, uh, yeah, this fourth, I look forward. Hope I give you some good foundations. And thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks yeah, for having yeah, you guys. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and come back again. All right. Uh, next time, bring some music of these uh, new new things that you got going, too. All right. I'd like to play them for the folks. Uh, it's been uh, the January 24th, 2010 Watt from Pedro show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs> <laughs>